Before we begin, I just want to extend a thank you to both Jeremy and Micah for the sermons the past two weeks. Even though I wasn't here, I did go back and, and listen to them, and I was blessed, and I, and I heard some feedback from some of y'all that were blessed as well. Amen. And while I did not tell them what to preach, I gave them a, an idea of the direction that I am wanting to go over the next few months, and, and they, they prayerfully considered that and knocked it out of the park. And so I appreciate that. Amen. I want to start by doing something a little bit different today. I'm just going to read some verses, and if you want to follow along, it'll be John 15, I'm just going to read through verses 1 through 17, and then we'll go back and, and talk about them. So John 15, starting at verse 1, and this is Jesus speaking here. I am, oh, there go all the prayer requests. <laughs> Better to fall out here right now than out in the wind, right? Okay. <laughs> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Amen. So let's start back from the beginning. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So the fact that Jesus is saying that he is the true vine leads me to believe that there is possibly a false vine, do you think that that's too far of a jump? Uh, we're not going to go that direction. I just want to plant that seed, think about it, pray about it. Jesus is the true vine. And he says that the Father 
is the vine dresser, the gardener. And we, you and I, are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, I'm just gonna be completely honest with y'all. As I have grown in my relationship with God, as I have come to understand his character and his love, I've struggled with a part of this verse. I think it's difficult in light of God's love. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Does this sound like a God who is patient, who is long-suffering, who is forgiving, who is nurturing? I think that when we, when we come to verses in these English translations that don't seem to quite line up with the character of God, it's possible that we're missing the context, right? I mean, a verse out of context is a pretext to a proof text. We don't, we don't want to be proof texters. But sometimes, have you ever noticed this, that, that when it comes down to the translations, certain translations have maybe translated a word different than other translations. Maybe not so good of a translation. And so I asked myself the question, is, is there a possible issue here with this translation? And so let's look at the Greek. That word that is translated as to take is the Greek word airo, airo. And the most common usage of this word, when it's translated, it means to raise up, to elevate, or to lift up. And this word, it's, it's, it's not one of those words that's like just used one time, but it's used all throughout the New Testament. Numerous times. And more often than not, it's translated in one of these three ways. When Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he raises, he lifts Aero, his eyes, and looks at the tomb. In Matthew 4, during Jesus' wilderness temptation by the enemy, we read this. And the enemy said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, aero, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And then later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus heals a paralytic man. And this is what he says. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up, aero, your bed, and go home. Now, we know from the context of this story, too, that the man did take up his bed. He didn't leave it. He didn't drop it because the Pharisees came in and got angry at the fact that he picked up, took his mat on the Sabbath day. And there are more verses that use this Greek word, but I hope you're seeing my point. Our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser, right? And when we the branches fall or stumble, he doesn't just toss us out. He doesn't just toss us away. This, type, this is the type of patience and mercy from the Father that is further explained by Jesus when he gives a short parable in Luke's gospel account 
a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for these three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. And if not, then you can cut it down. So there, there does come a time, right? And we're gonna, we're gonna see that in, in a few more verses here. But I, I'm not so sure about this, this translation that is used here at the start of Jesus speaking. People may give up on you, right? The enemy may lie to you, but your heavenly father, the vine dresser is going to utilize every possible means at his disposal to lift you up and help you prosper in your Christian walk. I don't know a whole lot about grapes, but I do know enough to know that if a grape vine or a grape branch is laying on the ground, it will not bear fruit. It won't bear fruit. And so what does a good vine dresser, a good gardener do in this situation? A trellis is needed. A trellis is needed. A good vine dresser will make sure that there is a trellis or something like it that a fallen branch can crawl up on. He lifts it up and places it on the trellis. And the beautiful thing is that often the branches and the vines then will get all wrapped up around each other. There's a, a connectivity that takes place, a bearing of one another's burdens, if you so please. And from a distance, it might look like a tangled mess. But is it, is it a tangled mass or a system of support? We can't let our own ideas or past ways of thinking cause us to miss what Jesus is actually saying here. The same vine dresser who so often has been depicted as the one wandering through the vineyard looking for who he can cut off and throw out is the same vine dresser who wanders this place, your home, and in your life, looking to lift you up when you have fallen down into the dirt. In the darkest times of our lives, whether we feel plagued by doubt or grief or burnout, we know that it is not always easy to bear fruit during those times, during those trials. Yet it's at the first time of trouble that our Father, the good vine dresser, lifts us up and places us upon the trestle which is in the shape of a cross. There is hope at the cross of Christ. There is strength and comfort and power at the cross of Christ. So you can keep reading this translation using a, a, a or reading this verse using a translation that doesn't quite seem to fit the character that you know of God, or you can choose to read it this way. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he raises up, elevates, lifts up, 
and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This passage, it, it suggests that it's not the job of the branch to work and to strain and to bring forth fruit. It's the job of the vine dresser. Who are you placing your trust and your confidence in? Yourself or the vine dresser? And what about pruning? It talks about pruning here. The, the branch that the vine dresser prunes, you notice it's the one that's already bearing fruit. It's already bearing fruit. Which, which led me to ask the question, when we think about pruning, God coming into our lives and pruning things away, how often do we only think that he's coming in to remove the bad things, the things that we see clearly in his word that he says, don't do these things, don't partake in these things, these are not helpful, these are not healthy. But in the context of this, we see a branch that is bearing good fruit. And then the pruning takes place. I would submit to you that there might be quote unquote neutral things or good things in our life that too many of them become distractions from what God is calling us to. There's time consumption. There's resource robbing. I think Jesus knew that as soon as he started talking about pruning, that our human minds would just instantly jump and, and start looking negatively at ourselves, judging ourselves, and, and, and then quickly falling into a workspace mindset. Well, I need to do all this. I need to clean it up as opposed to giving it over to him. And this is why the next verse, I, I used to think when I read through John 15, I thought this verse seemed very out of place. It seemed very random. But now in this context, it actually makes a lot of sense. So Jesus has said these things and he's talked about pruning and then he says, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Has the word of God penetrated your heart? Has the word of God penetrated your heart? Especially the words that God has spoken over you as you are in Jesus Christ. This is why I say feelings aren't Lord, Jesus is. Are you willing to allow his words to speak over and above your life, circumstances, and feelings? So yes, there are barriers. There are distractions. There are struggles and pain and failures. Yet Jesus simply says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, don't, don't let that, that word abide trip you up. I know that we might not use that word as often in our, our, our common vernacular nowadays, but it simply means remain. Jesus is speaking to you and saying, remain in me. Remain in me. That's our task. That's our work, if you must use that word. Our work 
means to remain in Christ. Don't let go. Have you, do you notice that, that abide or remain, that they are patient words? They're patient, they're slow. And maybe that's where we struggle. We live in a very impatient culture, right? Very impatient. The lights don't turn green quick enough. The lines at the checkout center, you know, you're, you, you've got all your groceries at Walmart. The line doesn't move quick enough. You ordered something on Amazon Prime, and it's three days later, and it hasn't arrived. These things drive us crazy. Why? Like, in the broad scheme of things, like, why? We live in the microwave age. Is that what you said? It's our culture. And I'd submit to you, it's, it's, it's really not our culture. It's the world's culture. But it's juxtaposed. It's against Christ's culture. The culture that he's inviting us into. And this is why I say that Sabbath is resistance. Sabbath is resistance. Stopping resting and abiding go against everything that this world stands for. Everything that this world stands for. The world says, hurry, grind, and do. Jesus says, slow, abide, be. Jesus doesn't seem to be complaining about your behavior here as much as he is inviting you into relationship and connection with him. Have you ever been around somebody that you truly respected, that you truly loved, that you truly looked up to, and you noticed that when you got around them and you hung around them more and you fell more in love with them, you felt a stronger connection to them, that you started acting a little bit different around them? You started speaking a little differently around them? Jesus knew this. And that's why he's saying, abide in me. Remain in me. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We're on a walk, not a run. It's not the Christian run. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So in some cases, eventually a time comes when a branch may fall off. And once it's dried out, 
There's no life in it. It's no use for anything else except kindling. But remember, this is not the first step that the vine dresser takes. If it was, we'd, we'd all be lost. There, there'd be no hope. This is only after many times of lifting that branch up out of the dirt, many times of laying that branch on the trestle, and only after the vine dresser has tried every possible way that he knows how to get that branch to abide in the vine and receive life. It's only after all of that you could say, this only happens when a branch is repeatedly determined to go its own way and reject the gentle hand of the vine dresser. And Jesus makes this statement, this tough statement, only when before and after this statement, he has reminded us about the invitation to abide in him. A withering branch is not the hope or desire of the true vine or the vine dresser. So don't dwell on that. Don't dwell on that. Dwell on the abundance that is yours as you abide, as you remain connected to the true vine. I hope that you've picked up that over and over. In fact, 10 times within the first 10 verses here, Jesus's emphasis here is abide, abide. The moment your mind wanders to any of the work that you need to do in order to bear fruit, you have forgotten to abide. Ellen White put it this way in her book, The Desire of Ages. God desires to manifest through you. This this isn't just talking to me, all right? Is, is this talking to you? Is this God's desire for you? To manifest through you the holiness, the benevolence, the compassion of his character. Yet the Savior does not bid the disciples labor to bear fruit. He tells them to abide in him. So God desires to see these things flowing through us. But he knows that we can't do it on our own. We can't possibly work hard enough, strive far enough to reflect the holiness, the the benevolence, the compassion of the character of God. But if we remain connected to Jesus, if we remain attached to the true vine, that life flows through us and then out of us. This is why faith and belief are so important. It is the life of Christ in you producing the same fruits as in him. When we're living in Christ, adhering to Christ, supported by Christ, and drawing nourishment from Christ, the true vine, then we bear the same fruit as Christ. And honestly, the the main goal here, at least how I'm seeing it in in Jesus' teaching, isn't even the bearing of fruit. 
The bearing of fruit helps to accomplish the main goal. He says, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The main goal is to glorify the Father. Because what, what does it look like if we glorify ourselves and then we've connected with someone and we're, we're teaching them what it means to be a Christian. We're showing them Christ, but then we stumble and we mess up and we, we do some harmful thing. We say some rude word. All that the time we spent glorifying ourselves has led them to walk away and to feel doubt. But if we spend our time glorifying the Father and know that anything good that comes out of our lives empowered by the Spirit is glorifying the Father, then they're never going to be let down from that glory because it's his glory, not our glory. And it also takes the pressure off of us. The vine dresser is doing the work. So the main goal is to glorify the Father, and how is that accomplished? Jesus says, by bearing much fruit. And this fruit bearing cannot be brought about by our own work or striving, so when people bear witness to the fruits, they give glory and honor to God. Why are you doing this thing? How are you treating me this way? I've never met a person that was so selfless and kind and giving and loving and forgiving. And our response, well, let me tell you about Christ in me. Let me tell you about the intimacy that the Father wants to have with you. Because this is not me. Apart from Christ, you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't want to be around me. But when Christ is flowing through me, I'm loved. The character of God is flowing through me. This is not an experience that is just extended to pastors and leaders and evangelists or elders. This is an invitation that is extended to every single person that abides in Christ. And so all of this, dear friends, it's rooted in love. As my Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Notice here that just as Jesus invites us to abide in him, he has also abided in the Father. And specifically, he's abided in the Father's love. That's what empowered Jesus day to day. The abundance of the Father's love in the heart of Jesus is what enabled him to accomplish the task that was laid before him. Author Tish Harrison Warren puts it this way. Jesus is eternally beloved by the Father. His every activity unfurls from his identity as the beloved. He loves others, healed others, preached, taught, rebuked and redeemed, not in order to gain the Father's approval, but out of his rooted certainty in the Father's love. Do you know that you are loved 
by the Father. Do you know that at such a deep level that no circumstance, no difficulty, no sickness, no calamity could place an inch of doubt in your mind that the Father does not love you? Dear friends, why do you do the things that you do? Are you hoping to gain the Father's approval by bearing fruit? Or is the fruit the simple manifestation of your overflowing faith in the Father's love for you? When you know how much you're loved and forgiven, which is completely, by the way, when you know this, you daily move into each day from a place of abundance. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be half full. No. That your joy may be full. Jesus isn't content with just giving you a little bit of joy. He wants your joy to be full. And maybe you're wondering about the commandments Jesus mentioned in the previous verse. He doesn't leave us to guess. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the command, to love one another, but to love specifically as Jesus loved. It looked like this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This type of love, true love, it comes from God. And it's only possible when you are connected to the true vine. When you're abiding in Christ, when you remain in Christ. So why not stay there? Why not remain? Why not abide in him? And not just because you've been commanded to do so, but because you've been invited like a friend. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You and I are called friends of God, Amen. friends of God. And it's not that we no longer have a master, but it's realizing that our new master is not like our old master. Our old master was a harsh taskmaster. But our new master is a loving friend. We were chosen by Christ. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. How beautiful is that? You were chosen and connected to the true vine which brings forth good fruit. And not just any old fruit that may fall off the branch and rot on the ground. No, abiding in Christ brings forth fruit that will last and make eternal impressions. That's good fruit. The lasting fruit is love. 
These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is our greatest witness to the world. Two chapters before, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this isn't just some lovey-dovey shallow thing, y'all. This is not just some warm feeling. This is true love. The kind that is patient. Kind. And not rude. It's love that bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. It's seen in the person who lets go of grudges and offers forgiveness even when the offending party hasn't even apologized. It's seen in the person who lives unoffended because they realize that hurting people hurt people and the cycle has to stop somewhere. This type of love unveils the power of the gospel and glorifies God. It's the transformation that we experience when we remain in Christ. It's the fruit we bear as we abide in the true vine. Amen and amen.